Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. God will give you insight. He will give you revelation. He will speak to the specific area of your needs today in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right, can we open our Bibles to the book of um, Ezekiel chapter 22? Ezekiel 22, we'll read from verse 23. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst, like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured lives, they have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. Please notice that these accusations are going towards her prophets. The Lord was speaking specifically about the effects of what the prophets were doing in the land. It was not the politicians that were doing these things, it was the prophets. The problem in every nation in which the church is established is to be found inside the church, not outside. Are you getting the point here? All right, he said they have devoured lives, they have taken treasure and precious things. They have twisted the word of God and have prospered in that process. That's what he's saying. Her priests, verse 26, have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane. And they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths and I am profaned among them. In verse 27, it says, Her princes within her, they're like wolves tearing the prey by shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seen false visions and divining lies for them. Which country is this? All right, it sounds like Nigeria. <laughs> I want to be sure that it is Israel we're actually reading about. All right, it's actually Israel. Okay, it sounds so familiar. You know, you wonder which country they are talking about. Okay. Now, uh, which verse was I now? All right. It's and her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seen false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery, and they have wronged the poor and needy. And I've oppressed the sojourner without justice. Now notice verse 30. And I searched for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I would not destroy it. But I found none. Thus I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their way I have brought upon their heads, declares the Lord God. Now, why am I reading this? It's our school of prayer. And I just, um, when I was thinking, 
I was hoping we were just going to pray again today, but we have prayed for about 30 minutes when we started. But I feel like starting a series of teachings on prayer today, specifically targeted at the person who is praying. If I let me title it, The Prayer Warrior. That's the title of the series. I want to examine the issue of the person praying. Let me say it again. Prayer is very important. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. He said that because it is crucial. Last time I emphasized, I don't know what that was last time, but okay, when we started this year, I reminded us again that even for Jesus to be born, even though there was a promise of God that was going to bring it to pass, God still raised people to guide him down with their prayers. We know two of them. We know of Simeon, we know of Hannah. These people, was it Anna or Hannah now? Anna, right, okay, yeah, we know of Simeon and Anna. Now, these people prayed for the coming of that Son of God. It's important. God wanted to deliver Israel after 70 years in captivity. He still raised Daniel up to go and pray. Very important. That is, if Daniel did not pray, what God wanted to do would not have happened. That's just the way it works. God still raises people to pray his will into um, manifestation. The fact that the will of God is not done automatically is seen clearly from the words of the Lord Jesus. We can easily decipher it from what Jesus said when he told us, pray like this, that will be done on earth as it is written in heaven, or as it is recorded, predetermined in heaven. That tells us that the will of God is not an automatic thing. So what you are experiencing in life is not necessarily the will of God. Get that clear. Now, please, I'm not contradicting myself when I said that nothing happens without his decree, without his judgment, without his permission. I'm not correcting myself at all. What I, have, but what I have said again and again is that there is a difference between the will of God and what he decrees to be done on the earth. If God says, everybody, go to the right, it does not mean that also, you cannot be sure that's what he wanted. All right? You have to ask him, is this your will? He will say, my will actually is that you stayed in the middle. But because nobody is asking for my will, because nobody is doing things that's in, in accordance with what I wanted it done and how I wanted it done. That is why I have issued a decree that they should all go to the right. Sometimes people will now pray and say, Lord, establish your will in our lives. You will now tell the few people, three of you, come back. Go this way. As for everybody that's going to the right, they are going to meet destruction. But you told them to go there. He said, I have given them an instruction according to the hardness of their hearts. It happens like that. So let's get it clear. When we are praying about the, the things in life, just that the fact that something happens does not mean that's what, what God wanted. We have seen from the words of the Lord Jesus. He said that in the beginning it was not so. But because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. You understand? It's important we get this point. That what we need in prayer is to study scriptures and pray in accordance with his will. He has a will. And we need to pray that into existence. We need to pray that into reality. His will is stored up. It is archived. It is kept in heaven. But for us who are on the earth, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. But the earth he has given to us. He said, you I have given authority. So he needs our authority. We discussed that last time. He needs our power and our authority to be able to do whatever he wants to do on the earth. 
That is why he says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsels to his servants, the prophet. Why does he have to do that? Because he actually can't do it really, especially if it is for good. They have to alter his words into the earth. Now, when you and I, because we are the prophets of God actually, and let me just say this briefly, I want to digress for a moment. The church of God embodies something on the earth. And that's why the passion in my heart is the way I've been talking since the last meeting where I preached here. Alright? The church of God, they don't understand their role. As a body, we are the prophet of God. Are you getting my point? As a body, as a body. Yes, inside us there are prophets, apostles, and all of that. But as a body, we are supposed to decide the direction, the way that things will go on the earth. When he said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. The people he was referring to, they were not the normal prophets he would think about. They were the um, Abrahams. They were the Isaacs. They were the um, Jacobs. They were the people he called what he was referring to when he said, do my prophets no harm. Please, let's get this point very clear. The church of God is crucial to what God is doing on the earth. We have to cooperate with him. We have to pray those things into existence. Please, let me just emphasize. That's why I keep on saying, look, sometimes when I see the way Christians talk, not only Nigerian Christians now, in both Christians, in fact, they are even worse. All right? Their natural racist attitude is horrible. When you hear the way they talk, I, sometimes it just, just gets on my nerves. And the way they talk, listen to me, the way they talk as a group of people, God can never evangelize the Arabs. He can't because as a church, they have locked them down. All you need to do is tune some of our TV channels. They make it clear that God is only interested in Israel. <laughs> and as for all of you, Palestinians and Arabs around them, you are just lucky that God has not killed you to preserve his people. And when I hear such things, I say, Jesus must be getting angry in heaven. He will say, these people, did you not hear that he said the same God is rich unto all that call upon him for there is no difference? Don't you know that this, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world? And I listen to it, I say, do you ever ask Jesus what he thinks about all of these things? That for him every life there is precious, every single life is precious. When you hear our, our American brethren talk a lot of times, you just know evangelism in that area is impossible. They have locked down the hand of God. He said they tempted God in the wilderness and limited the Holy One of Israel. It is possible to limit God so that he cannot do what he wants to do. So what God does all the time is to raise people. And that's what I'm preaching this season. He raises people. In our country of today, listen, the way the average Christian talk, you pastors listen. Except you preach the truth, the country is not going to go anywhere. Why? It's not because anything, not because anything is going to improve. The, um, APC is not the problem. PDP is not the problem. What's the name, what's the name of the new party that Pastor Joe went and registered the other day? Coalition for Movement of uh, what, Whatever. <laughs> they are not the hope. Are you getting my point? They are not the hope. It is the ch- when the church opens their mouth to talk sometimes, embarrassment will come upon you. Kai, you want to just close down your phone, shut down the TV when you hear them talk. Ha! Especially the leaders amongst us. When you hear us talk sometimes, I just say, God, ah, I make up my mind, I will, preach some, I will preach some more. We must preach extra. We must preach some more. Because Christians, if we don't get it right, there is no, there is no hope. Listen, God said it like this. The eye of the, uh, uh, no, the light of the body is what? The eyes. He said, if the light that is inside your body is now darkness. He said, how great is that darkness? What does that mean? The, what is the light of the nation? You are the light of the world. So if that light grows dim, how great is the darkness in that country? Prayer is important. When I'm talking about prayer, and I don't mean just praying as a habit, as a let's just pray, let's just pray. No. We must understand that God wants to bless the nation. He says, hey, guys, everybody gather, pray. 
What do you want us to pray? Pray for a blessing. This is what I want to do. I need you people to pray. Now listen to this. A prayer of faith. I said at that time, that when the Bible said a prayer of faith will save the sick. He was not saying that, as opposed to, you know, we used to classify like this, prayer of faith, prayer of uh, intercession, prayer of uh, supplication, prayer of consecration, prayer of confession. Give me another one now. Prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of worship. Listen, all of these are prayers of faith. We have prayer of agreement. If your prayer of agreement is not a prayer of faith, it does not work. If your prayer of intercession is not a prayer of faith, it will not work. That is, when James said prayer of faith, it was as opposed to prayers of unbelief. It was as opposed to prayers of jealousy. We know that because he said you have not, because you ask not. If you ask, you don't receive. It's because you asked wrongly, because your purpose was to use it on your law. So that's a prayer of jealousy. A prayer of envy. A prayer of competition. That's opposed to a prayer of faith. But that is intercession, thanksgiving, worship, agreement, you know, warfare. Whatever name you want to call that prayer, it must be of faith. Say so it's, if it's like that, effectual fervent prayer of, now, that's what I'm going to talk about, of a righteous man. Prayer is important. The person praying is important. Two sides to prayer. Prayer is very important. The person prayer, praying is important. That is why you cannot just pick a prayer book. <laughs> no. <laughs> I said many years ago, I read a joke. I was a little boy. One of these uh, magazines. A man said one day they were about to do party somewhere and um, rain started falling. So one man came and said he will stop the rain. They should bring money. So they brought money. He put stick on the ground. I started pouring kerosene on it. He lit a fire and he was shouting his incantations. After a while, the rain stopped. Ah-ah. So he said that he memorized everything the man said. And he said that this is how to stop the rain. So he decided to start a new business. So everywhere he will go, if parties were out to shell it, and rain wants to start, he would tell them, yeah, bring stick, bring kerosene, bring money. They gave him money. So the first time. So he released all the incantation in his mouth, and rain did not stop. He forgot that it's not the incantation alone. It's the man who is saying it. What have you eaten? Where have you slept? What have you sacrificed? It's not just the word. That's what the Bible says. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. The person praying is important. And that's what I want to talk about. This series. I'm just starting by emphasizing towards the importance of prayer. We must pray prayers of faith. But the person praying is what I want to talk about. But let me keep on emphasizing the importance of prayer. Listen. God's purpose will not be done unless people pray those things into in reality. You have to pray thy will be done on earth as you have predetermined it in heaven. You see, how do we know that which he has predetermined? It's simple. Two sides. One, most important one. What he has recorded in scriptures, you pray that one. Just, when you are finished praying that one, the Holy Spirit will let you know the other ones you should add to it. Are you getting my point? People sometimes say, how do I want to, how do I hear the voice of God? I say, why do you worry about things that are not your problem? Do you understand my point? You don't worry about that. I've never seen a child say, how do I know the voice of my father, the voice of my mother? The only assignment God gave the child is suck the breast every time. <laughs> as for how you know the voice, you will just be knowing the voices as you are growing. You will be knowing the voices. I have a friend. He has his younger sisters are identical twins. I don't mean twins that look like, I don't mean twins that just look alike. They are really identical. 
And so one day I was saying, how do you how do you cope with these two girls in the house? Don't they cause don't they cause confusion? You know what he was looking at me? He said he cannot see the similarity between them. He said when they say they are identical, he said he keeps looking like where is the identicality? You like my English? <laughs> he said even when they are not there, he can tell from the sound of their voices who and who is there. That they don't look alike to him. Meanwhile, not a joke, these girls are identical. I'm talking about something. He grew up with them. He has known them, he's older than them. Since they were born, he's known them. So, you, to you, they may all look the same, but there are subtle things, not subtle differences. And he doesn't know how he knows them. He doesn't know, no, no, that is Thai. No, no, that's not Thai. That's good. I mean, show him a picture, he knows who is who. <laughs> now, you see what I'm going to say? He didn't try. There are things that just grew up with you naturally. Hand on the word from God. Don't worry about it. Just read the one that they have printed for you. Obey it on a regular basis. There are times you just hear something. You just say, no, that's not God. Uh-huh. Say, the Holy Spirit said to me, the Holy Spirit said to you, which Holy Spirit now? Why? Because as soon as you hear it, you really can't tell, you can't explain. But just having been built up with the word, when it hits you, that's why Jesus said, my sheep knows my voice. He didn't say, I've trained them on my voice. They know it. He said, if they are my sheep, they know it. They, my sheep knows my voice. Just having been born in the fold, having grown up in the fold, and of course, for those who don't understand, the reason why they use that, they use that expression is that the way the shepherds there work, they don't use stick, you know, to be keeping, you know, the way Fulani has men do our own Nigeria. They understand like that. Is the, when they are leading their sheep, the shepherd is in front. The sheep follow the sound of his voice. If you want them to follow, he's moving away, just be singing or be chanting or talking, you know, and they hear that sound. I read a book of a man who said he, he's seen it before. Three shepherds arrived to water their sheep at the same time. Three different flocks mixed together. And the shepherds did not look troubled. And he was wondering, how are you going to know who owns who? Did they stamp, you know, okay, you, know, you never can tell, there may be tracker inside each one's body. He said, no, when it was time, when they finished watering, they just went in three different directions and started singing. Each sheep, just by the sound of the voice, there was never a time the shepherds sat him down and said, this is my voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, repeat after me. <laughs> nothing like that. There's nothing like that. All the, sheep, all the sheep just did was, I grew up in the house. Let me put it like that. That's what Jesus meant. He said, my own sheep, they know my voice. Sometimes when I see people who, 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 who are following false prophets, I start wondering whether they are really born again. No, you start wondering. You start wondering, say, this guy, are you sure you're a real believer? If this man can deceive you like this, are you sure you're saved? Now, I'm going to emphasize something. So, so that's just a, 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 a digression that, look, don't say, how do I know the voice of God? How do I know the voice of God? Don't worry about it. What did I say? What did I say? Just take the one that he has given to everybody. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Walk in love, you will not feel desires of the flesh. Follow that one. Simple things like um, uh, Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes, obey those things that are clear to everybody. Don't be anxious. You know, people have told me before that the Lord said I should not worry in my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he tells people every time not to worry. That's not a special communication. I've never seen God tell somebody, unless you're a sinner, 
If yes, now tell you, be afraid, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> and the prophet said, Woe to the person who tells a sinner to be well with him. So if you're not a sinner, don't worry. The Lord is always telling you, don't worry. That's what he says all the time. So if you need to pray to hear it, you should have read enough not to need that prayer. Now I'm going to emphasize something here. Okay, so how do I know what the Holy Spirit wants me to pray about? And that's why I went into that. Don't worry about it. There are things he has said, made clear. All right? You see, Paul taught, uh, he prayed for the church. Kenneth Hagin taught us those days to pray those same prayers for ourselves. Pray those same prayers for your friends. You already know what to pray. You, he taught us concerning the country. What do you pray? Pray for kings, for everyone who is in authority. You understand? He, he has told us what to pray. The Lord hates injustice. Pray for justice in the land. There are things that are clear, that are prayer points that we must pray. You are getting what I'm trying to say here. And all those things, all right, are the things he calls the will of God. If you don't experience them, it is not as if God's will is just what you're experiencing. It is possible that you have not prayed the right prayers. I've said it before. Three things affect the things that you see on the earth. Number one, the plan of God. Number two, the behaviors of people that are there. And number three, the prayers of the people. Because sometimes people are deserving of judgment. Somebody will rise up and pray, and the Lord will suspend judgment. Okay? Suspension, suspension, not reversal. Because what really reverses judgment is when the people repent. So why the suspension, what God expects that the fellow who prayed that he should not judge the people should start praying that revival will break out in the land. Because that is just suspension you can get. What you now start doing is start praying that truth will permit the land. That's the time we are praying for peace in Nigeria. We never forget to put that one inside. We never forget. We never forget to put it in. That God, the gospel will penetrate. The gospel will move. Send laborers into the harvest. Anytime you have suspension of indignation and peace comes into the land, it is so that the gospel can move. The only thing that gives you permanent suspension or eradication of the indignation is that the gospel moves and the people repent. Otherwise, it's just a matter of suspension. It will still come. The trouble will still come. So, listen. What God wants to do on the earth, let's talk about our country, in our nation, is to harvest the souls of men. That's what he wants to do. He wants everybody to be saved. Are you getting my point? Listen, if power becomes constant, it's so that they can watch Christian television. <laughs> no, it, it is not so that they will, Look, don't, as a, as a Christian, don't focus people's minds on what's on the earth. Your earth is temporal. No matter how prosperous Nigeria becomes as a country, Africa becomes as a continent, one day to still pass away. Go, not say, ah, what they have done on this earth. Gabriel, what do you think? Sir, ah. My Lord, they have tried. That's like, you know, Nigerian English. They have tried. They really have tried. They have turned the wilderness into a fertile land. It's okay. Change the, change, change the signboard. So what do I change it to? Just call the place heaven. The Lord will not do that. This earth will want this to be burnt with fire, whether you like it or not. You see, all the total buildings in the Middle East... If that one is going to, in fact, before God removes everything, let me tell you what happened to Burj Khalifa. Before it was only Burj Al Arab. But let me not tell you what happened to Burj Khalifa. It will fall into the ocean. That's all. It will not stand forever. <laughs> all that noise you are making, right, 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 right. Listen, desert thou art, to desert thou shalt return. <laughs> Look, I, I'm serious. 
So all those fine, fine buildings you are seeing there, every single one is going to be destroyed. Every single one will be leveled back to what it used to be. And the tall buildings are just tall so that they can fall properly into the ocean. That's all. <laughs> you say, Banky, what's your problem with them? It's just one. It's not me. It's not me. Apostle Kemete, is it me? Whose fault is it? Psalm 2. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry, and you will perish out of the way. I have reasoned about that. Times I've sat down and thought, and I realized that God is only patient. You hear what I said? You hear what I said? He's just patient. The patience will run out. I thought about it. You know, I was listening to Jeremiah and Micah. I realized that God raised Babylon, raised Babylon, raised Babylon, raised Babylon, raised Babylon, raised Babylon at the end of the day. At the point that I put off the, the message, I was tired of listening to Jeremiah. Because the last few chapters of Jeremiah, all he was doing was raining curses. Releasing the indignation and judgment of God against the Babylon he has used to discipline everybody else. What am I going to say? Forget all the noise. Eh? Anybody that just, Jesus is not Lord, you'll be killing Christians anyhow. Jesus is just watching all of you like this. Say, Lord, why are you not doing anything? It is not my wish that anyone will perish. But let's see whether they will be saved. If revival does not break out in that land, by the times of your grandchildren, it will be desert again. You think the buildings are fine? Listen, there's nothing new about it. Solomon's temple was fine. Even the one Herod built to replace it was fine. It was so fine. A disciple stopped and said, Jesus, look, oh. it's a fine, fine temple. This temple is really befitting of our God. It's befitting. Jesus took a glance at it, said, This temple, mark my words, not one stone will remain on top of another. They look like, Ah, Lord, this kind of fine temple. Do you know it happened exactly, exactly the way the Lord said it? One of the Romans came and broke it down. And I heard the gist that somebody spread a lie which the Lord commanded them to spread, that there's gold buried inside the temple. So the Romans were looking for the gold. There was no gold, but they were looking for it. In that process, they uprooted everything to fulfill the words of the Lord Jesus, that not one stone, not one, will be lying on top of another. What am I going to say? So all the prosperity you see, God said, is just so that people can get saved. All the advancement you see is so that there will be harvest of souls on the earth. Let's not be earthly minded. You can't leave a house on the earth for your grandchildren. All the ones left in Enugu for children and grandchildren. Children are in America. There are very plenty in GRE and independence layout. Alright? Let's get it clear. This earth is temporal. No matter how beautifully we, you know, we make it, one day it will pass away. So let's be careful that we are not earthly minded. Let's be careful. It is important we are not easily minded. So, like I was saying, what we are doing is praying the will of God. But like I said, my emphasis in this teaching series, I want to start today on matter of prayer, is on the person that is praying. On the prayer warrior. God said something. Oh, I've closed it in my Bible now. Well, we're reading just now. Ezekiel chapter what? 22. He said that, I searched for a man among them, verse 30, who will build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. 
Now we interpret that, and that is appropriate, as somebody who we pray, because we saw there was a time that God had the same determination against Israel in the wilderness. He wanted to destroy them. But a man, Moses, stood and prayed, and they were not destroyed, at least at that moment. That man, essentially, he built up a wall. He stood in the gap before the Lord. We know there was a time the Lord came and he said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and all the towns around them. And the man stood up and tried. He didn't succeed, but we saw the attempt. What was it that he did? He asked God that, will you suspend the judgment if you find 50? The Lord said, no problem. We had a discussion until they got to 10. And then he stopped there. And just by the way, people say, why didn't they ask for five? The simple reason is that the law would not have accepted five. That's why he did not ask for five. And maybe he actually asked for five, and that was not recorded because God said, no, that's too few. Uh, like somebody said once that the ten are supposed to be the least acceptable as a template, and, uh, well, like say, like a, 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 the focus from which revival will break out. And anything below that, God said, it don't work. Okay? So, but also Chamber said that um, the restraining power of the Spirit prevented Abraham from asking for five. But what I just believe is that five would not have been acceptable with the Lord. That's why he stopped where he stopped. Anyway, the point here is this. If there were 10, 11, 20, Abraham would have been one that built up a wall and stood in the gap between the land and the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? He would have been the reason why God would spare that place. Last time I was speaking, I, I explained that when we say that, is there, uh, is God a respecter of persons? Let's emphasize it again. I'm just explaining it again. When you said that God, uh, you said that the person praying matters. Listen to me. In prayer, the person praying is the first thing that God checks before he pays any attention. Who is the person praying? They say it's Ahab. Tell him to get away. Are you? <laughs> so what is he asking for? He's asking for rain upon the land. Tell him to get away. So when he starts asking for forgiveness for his sins, I will pay attention to him. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Everybody just comes and opens their mouth and say, and listen, <laughs> just by the way, on this earth also, like in the nation, God has shared the areas where you can talk. It's not every area you can talk and be praying and God will listen. You see how do you, anyway, we'll talk about it later as we go on. There's what is called faith. Faith is built in the heart different ways. There are areas that you can't... You know, faith is not something you just make up your mind. I want to have. So what, what, what do you want to pray about? I want to pray about the um, agricultural sector of Benue State. All right. You need faith. I said, don't worry. We'll just conjure up with the faith. Right now, have faith. So then one angel will tell you, say, bros, what do they grow in this state? So what did you say? What do they grow there? He said, growth, not growth. doesn't matter. Let's pray. The angel will ask you, is it, do they do, you know, plant farming or is it uh, animal husbandry? You don't know. And you are praying for the agricultural sector in the place. The angel will say, wait, wait here. Let us see whether the Lord will pour an anointing, a special anointing upon you. If it doesn't, leave that side. There are other people that will do that job. Yeah, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. But our portions, like, we'll talk about that later, all right? But the point I'm making is this. So it's not something we just make up our mind, just, just, uh, just conjure the faith out of nowhere. There's a way God builds faith in the heart. And without that faith in the heart, prayer is not effective. And one of the things that builds faith in the heart is the connection you have with the thing you are praying about. That's what I tell people. 
When you need prayer, stop looking for a man of God. Look for a friend that, if you die, he's the one that will take care of your wife. I don't know whether you're getting my point. His prayer is most effective. If he's a Christian, eh? you are sick. And if you were to die now, your wife, your children are his responsibility. The guy won't let you die. Sure you know. <laughs> he will pray for you. You will be well. It's called, look, listen. It's in the Bible like that. He said he's touched with the feeling of what? Our infirmity. That's it. The person who feels your infirmity, if he's a believer, who knows the word of God, is your number one prayer warrior. That is why if your mother knows the word of God small, eh? she's more effective than your pastor in praying for you. Yes, she's more effective. You know the kind of person that if you don't hear from you for two days, don't they ping you? You know that kind of thing? Yeah. That fellow kneels down and says, Father, have mercy. mercy. God will be hearing you. No, it's not, the person not try. It's not even the shout. It's just that when they open the mouth and speak on your case, it's loud. The spiritual amplification is loud. When we were praying, it's not just to start quoting scriptures. That's not where it starts from. First, who is the person talking? God checks. God checks the person's local standing. He checks all of those things. And those are the things we put together and call faith, actually. All right? Now, so we're saying that, does God respect people? He said, the Bible said, God is no respecter of man. Get it in context. Are you rich or poor? It makes no difference. Do you have a PhD? Are you a professor? Or you didn't even finish primary school, uh, primary six. With God, it makes no difference. Now listen to this. Are you a Jew or a Gentile? It makes no difference. Is Abraham your natural father? Or Ishmael is your natural uncle. <laughs> Find me somebody. Or Gehazi is your great-grandfather. Yeah, that's a good one. Gehazi. It makes no difference. The same God is rich unto all that call upon him. That's when he says he's no respecter of persons. Are you rich or poor? It doesn't matter. However, we need to read this so that people will get it clear. Isaiah chapter 66. I'm talking about the prayer warrior. My emphasis in this series, which I'm beginning today, is on the person praying. And I want each person to take heed to himself, to herself. Isaiah chapter 66. God doesn't look at people equally. He said, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me, and where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. He said, Thus all things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look. In the heavens, on the earth, in whatever house you build, amongst the peoples, to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit. And who trembles at my word? Are you getting that point here? God looks at people and he, in quote, in quote, in that context now, he is a respecter of persons in this context. The eyes of the Lord run through and through the whole earth that he may show himself strong 
on behalf of the person whose heart is perfect towards him, King James says, or fully yielded to him. Let's get it clear. That's why I wrote the tract, Are We All Equal Before God? The natural human being will say, yes. Somebody says that's a humanistic approach to life. You mean, the human just believes that God doesn't look. God, everybody is the same. God treats everybody the same. The Bible never gave that impression and it's not true. One of the scriptures I quote in Lord Jeremiah chapter 15, God to Jeremiah, even if Moses and Samuel were to pray on this matter, I still would not listen. That taught me that Moses and Samuel were different people when it came to praying. Let's talk about my favorite guy, Daniel. Daniel. Oh, I love the story of Daniel. Daniel will pray in heaven. Angels will come to answer. You know why they used to answer him? Let me tell you. I found out. Daniel used to pray for things that would not happen in his lifetime. But he did not know. Daniel would be concerned about the future of the people of Israel. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Daniel would sit down there and meditate. His heart was always towards the temple of God. What will happen to Jerusalem? He was never going to go back there. Daniel never went back. He was taken as a little boy. He never went back to Jerusalem. Daniel will sit down and think about the future of Israel. The remnants of Israel. He will think about all of those things. Then he will read his Bible. The scrolls that he had. And he saw that Jeremiah prophesied that 70 years, these people will be in captivity. After that, they will be returned to their land. Then he began to pray. He didn't only pray for those who will return. What will, okay, after they return, what will happen after? Now listen to this. These were the things in the heart of Daniel. And God will look in heaven and tell an angel, go and tell Daniel what will happen in the future. And tell him, as for you, you will be gathered to your fathers. It will not happen in your lifetime. Daniel, listen to me, Daniel saw today, you and me here, Daniel prophesied about the church. He saw it. They, you know, let me explain something to you. I told you here before, the book of Daniel is not, in the Hebrew Bible, it's not one of the prophets. You know, we have major prophets, minor prophets, minor just in length, not in power. Okay? Uh-huh. Most of our revelation concerning righteousness it comes from what the so, one of the so-called minor prophets. The just shall live by faith. Was a minor prophet. But it's just in length, not in power. Okay? Now, Daniel was not considered by the Jews as a major prophet. And he was not one of the minor prophets. The book of Daniel was included with Esther, Nehemiah. They are the same group. Esther, Nehemiah. Which other one is there? Ezra, Ezra yes. Thank you. They are the same group. Why? Daniel was not seen as a prophet in Israel. And when I studied Daniel, I realized that indeed he wasn't. The way Jews understood prophets. What were prophets? Prophets were those who took the word of God to their nation. That's where they understood prophets. Daniel heard the word of God, listen to this, as a personal consolation. It's we in New Testament time that understand the things that happened to Daniel that we now call him a prophet. And just in case you do not know, he was a civil servant. He was working for the governor. 
He was working for the president, actually. The time he, they, they conspired against him was when he was supposed to be appointed the prime minister. They divided all the ministries in the country into a few areas. And he was heading one. Then one day, Darius decided that, let's elevate this guy further. Let him head all the ministries. He will now be the prime minister. The same way Joseph was in Egypt. That was when the boy said, no, no, no. Corruption will come to an end. <laughs> so they fought back. Like they said in Nigeria, that corruption fights back. They fought back. And Daniel ended in the lion's den. Just corruption fighting back. That was all. Daniel was a civil servant. He used to go to work every day. That was why his 30 days fast, his three-week fast, was partial. He had to, he had to work. <laughs> you understand my point? The man was a civil servant. And he served off and on. Sometimes government, government will go. He's a member of PDP. They won't appoint him again. Or he's not a member, but the last government was PDP. So when they remove, you know, all the Okonjo Wellers and Co, they were not, poli- you know, Okonjo Wellers is not a member of PDP. Uh-huh. So it was like that. They will remove him. Then one day somebody will call, call him back. And then one day as an old man, when the kingdom was about to come to an end, that's Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, they called him again. And then of course he entered into Darius' service. Darius came after. All right? He was always there, but as a civil servant. Now, why am I talking so much about Daniel? Yet God liked Daniel so much. Anytime Daniel prayed, heaven used to notice. They want to get God's attention on something. He would do them like this. Wait. So they whisper, what's going on? Say, Daniel is praying. Oh, everybody will be quiet. Sounds like a joke, but it really used to happen like that. You want to report something serious to the Lord Jesus before he came down to the earth? And he tells you, wait. I want to say, what is he doing? Say, Daniel is praying. How do I know the angel came? He said, you are highly esteemed. Why have I come to talk to you? The angel said to Daniel, he says, because you are a man of high esteem. Daniel could move the heavens when nobody else could. Daniel could get the angels to come and deliver messages that really, really nobody else needed on the earth. Spirits will gather and say, no, you can't come to our territory. They will fight their ways that we have to deliver this to Daniel. At the end of the day, they will tell Daniel, go your way. Don't worry about it. After I read the stories, the, the, the revelations, I said, all of these prophecies that we read today were for personal consolation. So that next time he will think of Jerusalem, he knew what would happen. Next time he will think about the people of Israel, he knew where they were going. He saw all the kings that will come. Long after him, all the Alexander the Greats, the Romans, he saw modern times. Daniel would take a glance and see all the floodless streets with all the lights, all the military. Why? Because he was a man of high esteem. Like I told you, I'm talking about the prayer warrior. It's not just about cramming scriptures and speaking in tongues. God checks who is he that is talking. Oye <laughs> No, he checks. We think he only checks what is being said. No. Who is saying anything is important to him. Very important too. Let's get it clear. Another point I should make is not just that you gave your life to Christ. You claim to be a Christian. 
No. Especially since there are many areas of life. The amount of faith we, we, we bring out of our hearts towards God is important. The other time I was speaking, I talked about faithful people. That I said, let's just go back there, quickly read it. Revelation chapter 17. He said, they called the chosen and the faithful. Those are the people that God is looking for. They must be people that are faithful. They're not just called. So the fact that somebody gets on his or her knees to pray is not all that matters. All right, Revelation chapter 17, let's just read that one. He talked about the ten horns in verse 12, which are ten kings who have not yet received the kingdom and love. That he said that these have one purpose, verse 13, they give their power and their authority to the beast. This will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. The called and chosen and faithful. Those are the people, prayer is a fight. We're talking about the prayer warrior. Those who are warring in prayer on the Lord's side must be people who are not only called, they are chosen, and then most importantly, they are faithful believers. I want us to understand it. You know, a lot of times people gather to pray. I've said it before. They fall prayers up and down. A lot of the prayers land in hands that no matter what they say, God is not going to listen. Not because it's partial, but because there's a way your heart will be. There's a way your life will be up to a particular point in time. Essentially, the Lord says that you are not serious. That's what he's saying. That you are not serious about the thing you claim to be praying about. There are people who have poisoned their environment with negative words. Do you understand what I'm saying? James says something. <laughs> a double-minded man cannot receive anything from the hands of the Lord. He says he's unstable in all his ways. And what is double-minded? Let me give an example. James will tell you something. One of the examples he gave of double-minded is another part of his letter. Is that they speak good now and speak bad tomorrow. That's double-mindedness. The same mouth is trying to give, bring forth that which is good after he has given, given forth that which is bad. The fellow kneels down, prays for his children, but wishes all the, the neighbor's children bad. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Lack of faith? When it's time to pray for his or her own children, we will pray effectively. Then we hear that the neighbor's child did very well in an exam. Jealousy will not let them rejoice. The, that is a heart that is polluted. There's no faith in that heart. You look, God looks in that direction. He doesn't hear anything. Let's get this clear. Prayer is not just about, I went to church, I joined a prayer meeting. It is who and who is praying. I told the story here before of a man who invited his church prayer warriors to his house to come and tell them thank you for the help they helped him when his dear one died. And they all could not go. Why could they not go? They were afraid that the witch with which he killed his wife is still in the house. So they said they cannot go. And the same people are praying in the church. You wonder why the church is having problems. Oh, they are the prayer word. The prayer team. The prayer team of the church. 
the prayer team of the church. I don't mean the deacons. I don't mean the ushers. We all know that ushers are not serious people. <laughs> you know what I mean now. You know what I mean. Fine boys. Fine girls. They are well cut suits. They are not serious people. The drama people, are, those ones don't know anything they are doing. They just come to church to come and make noise. The choir people, well, they pretend to worship. But the real spiritual people are the prayer warriors. You know, that's how they reason. Canon things. That's how they reason. If you've been to campus fellowship, they can discriminate. Oh, yes. Look, listen. You are single. You, you want to marry. You are an usher. Go and propose to a sister who is a prayer warrior. Nothing for you. It's the other people that will say, who is it? That brother. One of the ushers. Ah, he doesn't even respect himself. <laughs> the only problem is that you are not sure. Or you are in drama. Because them that are spiritual, they are in two units, evangelism and prayer. Even the Bible study one, this one, they said they are the third generation of serious people. The, I mean, I was in school, I know them. These are the prayer group in the church. And they were afraid of the witch with which a man's loved one died. Now, do I need to tell you? God does not come from their prayer meetings. Do I need to tell you? You said you've seen it by yourself. Now, when they start praying, God just look and say, Gabriel, yes, my Lord. Do they believe anything? He says, Sam, <laughs> don't believe anything. When we get to their meeting, all we hear is unbelief, oozing, oozing from the walls. They are talking in tongues, though. These days, I think we should get a tongometer to check <laughs> which tongue is genuine, which one is fake. Yes, because everybody claims to be speaking in tongues. I stopped being harassed by people's tongues when I started watching home movies. <laughs> there is no tongue you don't hear in home video. I remember once I saw, you know in Nigeria, if you are speaking in tongues, you can't smoke. <laughs> so one day after watching one film, hey, what is Pastor Weaver's name? Oh, so yeah, what's the guy who acts like Pastor Weaver? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Clem, what? Yeah. Yes. So, they came to Enugu. Then, and when I first came to town, I was living in the guest house on campus. Now I see Clem with a pack of benzene and hedges and matches. I say, ah, the same tonguing man on television. <laughs> I remember that day. I said, ah! See the guy, he doesn't care about God or about Jesus or something. He doesn't care kind all around. Next day, he will ask Bishop and speak in tongues. Many people go to church when they are praying, all the tongues you are hearing are acting. Especially if you go to another distant country and they go and hear a man of God there speaking, they just cram the two lines. Come back home, repeat it. And God, and God is just looking, said, There is no, no faith in the heart. No faith. You know, on Saturday, I began to teach, though I've not been around for a lot of Saturdays, so I don't even know what I used to teach when I was around. But <laughs> I do remember a bit that I'm trying to preach that people, you see, let's take a country like ours. I can assure you of one thing. People who really have faith, they are few. The consolation people like me have is that I know God does not require too many. 
That's, that's one thing that gives me comfort. And it, it doesn't require too many. Because the negative attitude, I mean, sometimes Christians are talking. You just hear defeat in their heart. Defeat that is, I'm a victim. Like I said, the other day, the church is under attack. That's the reason. We are under attack. We are victims. They don't have the above-only mentality. Even if they open their mouth and say, I'm above, I'm not beneath, let them talk in the off, you know, casual moment. You know, they don't have the above mentality. They have the beneath mentality. Then they want to pray prayers of power. Listen to me. It has no effect. Why am I preaching this time around? I want each one of us to examine ourselves and ask, ask, what am I releasing into the air around me? When I want to pray, does God look and take my word serious? Does he say this is a serious person who has come to pray? And it's not determined by the number of scriptures you can quote. No, no, no. He said people can draw near to me with their mouths, but their hearts are far. So God is not impressed with the man who quotes a lot of scriptures. Some people make it seem as if if you can quote it accurately. That is when it has effect. <laughs> One man said that said, uh, that you have to know whether it is should or shall that is there before it can have effect. As if they speak English in the realm of the spirit. Said somebody was casting out demons. Said every knee shall bow. Said demon did not answer. Why? Because he said the real word is every knee should bow. I said that's King James now. My own Bible does not say every knee should bow. So do the demons learn, did they read the King James Bible? <laughs> in the court? Are you getting what I'm going to say here? It is not the accuracy or the volume of quotations that is first. It is the person, how serious is this fellow? How can, what kind of faith do you operate with regularly? Not only the time of prayer. That's what we're trying to make. We're talking about prayer warriors. Who is the person? That's the first thing. They call the chosen and the faithful. They are the ones who are with him. God said he looked for a man. One. At the time God spoke in Isaiah's hearing, he said, who shall we send? He said, who shall I send? Who will go for us? One thing the Lord does all the time is check for volunteers. Even though he has pre-planned their lives like that, but he expects them to volunteer. That's one. Then number two, he qualifies the people he accepts to volunteer. You get what I'm trying to say? He looks at them, are you qualified for this position? Two people, James and John, came to Jesus, want to sit on your left or on your right. He asked them, you want to sit on my left or on my right? They said yes. He said, okay, there's one small qualification. You will drink the cup I'm about to drink. You are going to pass through what I'm about to pass through. Are you able to do that? The answer was very foolish, I know. But they said yes. But the lesson from there is that there was something to pass through, to sit there. And positions in the realm of the spirit, they have privileges. The privileges are not the enjoyment privileges, they are authority. There are ranks of authority people hold. Why I called just by the way, say, why did you say they are? the answer was foolish? They didn't say, what are you about to pass through? Are you getting my point? If I tell you I'm about to, can you eat the food I'm about to eat? You say, okay, what do you want, job? Are you, you won't just say, yes, I can. 
So that's what I mean by the answer was foolish. They should have just first asked, what are you about to pass through? But that was not my message. My message is that there was something to pass through before they occupied a particular position. One of our brothers once, now what I want to say, please, let me tell you something quickly before I say it. Christianity is not a joke. Don't let anybody preach a grace message to you that makes you an unserious believer, expecting full benefits and full authority. Yet you are not serious. Christianity is not a joke. Let me tell you what Christianity is. People lose their jobs because of their faith. That's what Christianity is. Some who are rich, now, what I want to say doesn't sound very nice. Some who are rich become poor. Not for any other reason. No. They sold all they had because they wanted eternal life. They had good businesses. They said they want to obey the call of God. God said, shut it down. They shut it down. They sell everything. Should I, let me save it for the ministry. God said, no, 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 no. Give this as an offering. They start ministry. They are believing God for money. That's Christianity. Christianity is that this man will marry me and take care of me. This one has a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> and for the next 20 years, you and him will be solving other people's problems. And managing to get by. That is every time you'll be in the name of Jesus for money to come. And you'll be shown to you clearly. This man has money. This one, two of you, 20 years. You will solve... <laughs> He will solve his family problems, his neighborly problems, his church problems, <laughs> your own too. But my grace is sufficient for you. That's one thing God says that you start wondering that. Why don't you give me money in this grace thing that you are? <laughs> <laughs> no, when God starts telling you my grace is sufficient for you, start wondering, I mean, be concerned because you see, ah. when you say, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, and I saw Bobo begin capsize. My grace is sufficient for you. The man enter boat upside down. My grace is sufficient. Remove the shirt. Flog him 49, uh, 39 strokes. Do it again. And the Lord Jesus will come and say, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, forget this grace. Just stop them from flogging. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now let's get it clear. Christianity is not a joke. You may be laughing. It's not a joke. We make sacrifices because of what we believe. Yes, we do. When I encountered the number of my brethren that carry foreign passports in their pockets, and they are struggling in different parts of this country, sometimes it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm telling you. When you open their pocket, and you see the color of their passport, you're, you're shocked. Ah! And your pastor in Kutangura says, my father that married my mother, and they gave it to me abroad. Me, the Lord called me and said, stay here. You know, you start looking and say, what? Are you serious about that? You know, some people before they thought that um, it is because you have nowhere else to go. That's where you are, where you are. They don't know some people actually move with vision, with purpose. Christianity is a serious business. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. There are people that they said, marry. God said, no, better wife won't marry them. He said, no, why? My name is Paul. If I marry this girl, she would have a heart attack. So let me just remain single by myself. Let all the Timothys and Kobe follow me up and down. I checked, it, I checked about it. I, I, I don't think Paul used to ask. Paul was a Catholic. He didn't understand why anybody following him should have a wife. Paul must have been a Catholic. That's what I think. 
Once you get engaged, you write a letter about you. Demas has departed from you. <laughs> the guy writes a letter about you, man. <laughs> he said, I want everybody to be like myself. I know what? With all the sufferings, the man said, none of these things move me. Please, I want us to understand what Christianity is. It's not invitation to prosperity. It's not. It's not invitation to a long life and comfort. Christianity is invitation to the center of the will of God for your life. That's what it is. That is what it is. Let's, start, let's understand what we are doing. Christians are heavenly-minded people. They understand that the things of the earth are temporal. That's what Christians, that's what they are. You see what I'm saying? All of these things I'm saying. Because for people to be effective for the Lord, hmm, they endure hardship. Some of the things we preach, Paul wrote to Timothy, who taught us faith in the New Testament? This is not Paul. Abi? The justification by faith we quote, who taught us? This is not Paul. Yet he wrote to Timothy, he didn't tell him, believe God that your ministry will not be hard. He didn't say so. What did he say to him? Endure hardship as a true soldier. Ha, Paul. You should have given the guy seven keys on how to have easy ministry. No. Apostle gave me the, it should have worked. Seven keys. Buttons to press. You will never lack money in the ministry again. There is a kind of realm you move in. Think about it now. Paul, do you know, Paul didn't understand it. He wrote to Timothy, Sebros Alpha, so God deal, this place is rough. We say, now so you've been now. Endure hardship as a true soldier of Christ. Paul explained something. He said, one of the marks of my life is my ability to abase, abound, and remain the same no matter the circumstances I find myself in. That's Christianity. Please, I want us to understand it. When we're talking about, you know, last time I explained it, that you're not faithful unless you've gone through difficulty. Faithfulness is not judged in the midst of ease. Faithfulness is judged in the midst of trials. You can't tell a wife she's faithful when everything is flowing, money is flowing. Before she... Before they release a new phone, husband has bought it, they need a new car, husband has bought it, everything, everything. everything, everything. What, is, what is the big deal in it? You might have well behaved rich husband who never says anything wrong. Now, the point I'm making is that faithfulness is not judged except there's trials. Faithfulness is not judged except there's adversity. Faithfulness is not judged until you have gone through hardship. And listen to this the factual fervent prayer, we'll talk about the fervency of it, of a righteous man avails much. That person who is praying, before you can speak in certain areas, God will expect that you have gone through adversity in some areas. What I'm telling is a matter of fact. The problem is a lot of, a lot of times that people that God passes through adversity, instead of them to take advantage of it and improve their spiritual climate, improve their spiritual authority, they are so busy complaining and they lose everything they could have gained. 
God does not like murmuring. That's too weak. God hates murmuring. That's better. He hates murmuring and he doesn't take it easy with murmurers. Listen, God gave Moses a lot of authority. Moses not get that authority by lying around, by meditating on scriptures. Moses got his authority by enduring hardship. The man went to the wilderness. He suffered a lot for God to give him what he got. Now, it wasn't as if, let me say, it's not as if you are buying it from the Lord. I mean, who wants to use suffering to buy anything? But the determination in the heart of somebody to follow the Lord is shown in how he or she passes through and reacts in the midst of adversity. And that is when authority is conferred upon people. And that is the same authority they bring to the place of prayer. There are people, listen, I said it before, and it's a matter of fact, we are kings for God. We are his princes. He puts people in charge of different cities. That is what he does. There are parts of life that you speak. Oh, when we get there, we'll be able to talk about it. We don't have all the time now. I have to close now. There are parts of life you will speak with authority. Like if I speak for example, I can pray for peace for Nigeria generally. But you know, I don't know how things work in the midst of political circles. Are you getting my point? Like if you're an APC, a PDP, I probably can't pray effectively about their primaries. I can pray generally for peace and it contributes because these things add up. You understand? But there are people that God will place inside there or place in certain places. They just shake their heads and say, that man can never be a governor in this country. He should forget it. See, we should forget it. One million people have contributed money to make him governor. Everybody supporting him. One man sitting in his house, a retired principal maybe. And he says, that man can never be. As he opens his mouth and says it, God says, Samuel has spoken. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Samuel has spoken. Oh boy, you will never be a governor in this country. Waste all your money trying. You won't make it. Finally, one day, you finally win the election. The day they, before they swear you in, you fall sick and you die. Why? Because somebody, now listen to this. One, listen, one person who is important a Daniel opened his mouth and spoke. And God said, ah, ah, if, some, if Samuel talks like this, Daniel talks like this, what else are we going to do? Say, Lord, I beg now. I say, go and beg Daniel. That I have to change Daniel's mind for you to cross that level. Listen, not everybody you see on the road is a normal human being. No? Some of them are spirits wearing human clothes. <laughs> Do you get my point? Yeah, you, know, you get my point. They have the spirit of Samuel. They have the spirit of Daniel. But I'm calling every Christian to that level. That, look, God builds us. That's what he does. He's, he builds us with information, with understanding, with his spirit inside us. We go through trials. There's a way we talk. We go through adversity. There's a way we react. We read things in the pages of the newspaper. There's a way we respond. Many believers today, they can't pray any effective prayer on anything. They are, they, they, that is, they are so biased. If something affects a man, is their tribesman. They can never see anything. That is, they must be on their tribesman's side. And they now go to church to pray. And God looks at them and says, this boy is not serious. I called you out of awe to come and be my people. In quotes. You don't want to come and then you want to use the authority of prayer. You're not serious. And the last time I was speaking about this Islamic headsman thing, I said, look, so everybody say we. 
the unbelievers and believers are now we. And Christians are proudly nodding their heads and saying we are we, us. Listen, what I'm teaching is this. God is calling and he wants, he said, look, I need Samuels, I need Daniels who will open their mouths and pray. I need Annas and Simeons who will guide the birth of a redeemer into the land. I need people who can speak authoritatively in an area. Everybody is shouting and shouting and praying. To filter out a serious voice is hard. You saw what you saw the allegation against the prophets. Those ones are busy making money, twisting the word of God. Didn't you see it there? Yes, sir. They are busy getting richer. So God said, I'm not looking amongst the prophets. I'm not looking amongst the pastors. I'm not looking amongst the people that are supposedly important. I'm not looking among the general overseers and bishops. I'm looking out for the average person who is a believer. He said, they have, as for the prophets, there's a conspiracy amongst them. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. I'm not looking amongst priests and prophets. I'm looking amongst the average people. And my message this season is the prayer warrior. It's not about how long he spends praying. It's not how many scriptures he can quote. It's how serious he is, is she, all right? The person is in the average life, that is, in the everyday life. What sacrifices are you willing to make? Yeah. Every little discomfort, you are shifted from one place to the other. No. Faith is first of all about faithfulness, not about drawing things out of the hands of God by force. Listen to me. The comfort, <clears throat> important for you to get this point. The comfort that God took Abraham from, he never saw it again on the earth until he died. Did you hear what I said? Abraham, he was living in tents, right? They took him out of story buildings. All that was living in was a civilized society. But God gave him a vision of a better day ahead. Not for him, but for his descendants. But Andrew told the story, which I've repeated many times. Those days he used to go behind the iron curtain distributing, the Bible, distributing Bibles. He saw an old man and an old woman. The village had been deserted by everybody. There was a lot of poverty around. Everybody had left. But not really old, maybe middle-aged, that kind of thing. He now said, well, why didn't you people leave too? And then they looked at him like, if we go, who will stay behind to pray? I don't know whether you're getting the point. They say, look, the land is hard, we know. Things are tough, we know. Everybody has gone out to go and make, make it for themselves, we know. Say, but we need to redeem this land. So what's our own portion? Our portion is to endure the hardship in it. That God will hear in heaven when we are praying over the land. So for them, they live their lives, they didn't have much comfort. They endure the oppression of communism. But because of people like that scattered all over the place, one day... The walls of communism fell down. Communism wouldn't have just come to an end because they got tired. Or God, and we've seen the principle of divine timing. That God just said, this is now the time. Yes, when he says it's now the time, he raises people like them up and says, now pull down these walls for me. And the Lord will say, don't worry, you're not pulling down from outside. Americans may win the war of attrition, fine. But the spiritual battle is really fought by those who are behind the wall. Those who have endured hardship behind the wall, when they speak to the wall, come down. The wall falls down. 
They are the ones that march around that world daily. They've been marching around the world daily. It's a spiritual battle. Daily, they've been marching around the world, marching around the world, marching around the world. Then one day, they sing a song of praise. They shout for joy. And then you hear that outside there, you, the broadcast will come up. Perestroika, Glassnut, something will start. Kropachev will start talking, speaking all kinds of English before he knows what's happening. USSR has dissolved. Communism is over. And this is the interesting part. No book is written about those two people. They are, they, are, they are not big pastors. So people will not write books for you. And how we're speaking against the wall every day. And God said, you try, but now only one small hammer you put. Those who put sledgehammers, bulldozers against the wall, I did not give them the opportunity to write anything. They have died in peace. Their reward is literally in heaven. I, I hope you are getting my point. Let me just end with this. God is looking for people who people are not easy to find. Let me say that again. God is looking for people they are not easy to find. Like Paul will say, I beseech you on God's behalf. In the same manner I'm doing this evening. I'm saying, who will pray for his country? Who will pray for her country? Who will rise up and be a prayer warrior indeed? Not just, do, listen, I, was, I said something, when did I preach this? Yeah, it was here. There are certain things. I was talking about Christianity. You know, I said it earlier. That's a, ser- a serious business. There are things you take up, assignments you take up with the Lord. It puts a kind of discipline upon you. Your life will be uncomfortable for some time. Yeah, what I've told you is a matter of fact. There are those that God says, okay, you want to pray. Where's your tin number? You know what's tin? Where's your tin? Tax identification number. Say, Lord, what has that got to do with prayer? Go and get your team, my friend. Then come back, let's start praying. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. I say, wait. When last did you pay Swama? I don't like what they are doing with the money. I agree with you. That is why you will give it to them, then you will start praying. Then I will not defend your money. Right now, you don't give them your money. Sorry. They can do anything they like. They are not using any righteous man's money. So why should I be fighting? <laughs> so God says, if you are evading tax, your prayer has been weakened severely. I told you, Christianity is serious business. It's very serious business. It is, I'm serious. It's serious business. It is serious business. It's serious business. Disciplines you take for the Lord, it imposes, or let me, assignments you take for the Lord, I wanted to say, impose certain critical disciplines upon you. One I can tell you, I can assure you of. Said everybody from now, not one word of criticism against the federal or state government from your mouth. Say, we will speak against evil. Go and see the governor. <laughs> Don't sit in the beer parlor speaking against evil. You are donating to Satan. Don't sit in church speaking against evil. That one you are donating to Satan. If you want to speak against evil, two places. One, on your knees, let's discuss it. Two, go and see the men in authority. If you can't do that, shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't discuss. You're not speaking against evil. You are prophesying negativity. So people sit in child groups, amplifying every negative thing in the society. They say they are speaking against evil. We are not speaking against evil. We are amplifying evil. Blessed are those at the feet of those who bear what? 
good news, not those who amplify what is negative in the government. I'm not a member of EPC or PDP. I'm a Christian in the nation. One of our brothers told me something, and it interested me because it showed that was a sign of a man going somewhere. He does big business. So he said one day he had um, a job to do, so he quoted for some guys, and he made allowance for his withholding tax. So they negotiated with him. It's a private company that, look, come on, you can remove this one and all of that. You know, they tried to cut the cost down and cut it down on tax side. He said, sorry, I always pay my tax fully. If you guys don't like the job, leave it. He said they don't understand something. He said people cap their destiny because of small money. He said one day I, have to, I will have to bid for a job that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They will ask me whether I've done such things before. What do you want me to say? If I say yes, the only proof I have are documents that contain that figure, upon uh, of which the tax must be included. Otherwise, I get into trouble. If I don't want, if I don't want to pay the tax, I have to twist papers and all of that, which end makes me a small man all my life. He said, "I'm going somewhere great. Cheating government of five million naira is not what will take me there." I thought Christianity is not a joke. Do you still want to serve the Lord? Do you know, no matter the door you open for me as a person, now I'm not saying it is wrong, what I'm about to say now. I'm not saying it's wrong, go. No matter the door you open for me, my wife can't deliver abroad. It's against the ministry that I run. That is, tell her to even travel into the American embassy. They give me, come and born inside our embassy so it could be American soil. I was just, no, go to Ireland maternity in Lagos, born there. All the children that the Lord has given me, they are for signs and for wonders. There are things I can't do. Not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not evil, though. It's not a sin, no. Me and the children, whether you're born in Yugoslavia or in Burundi, will still go to heaven. But there are statements that it's crucial I'm able to make. So anytime I see a child born in Nigeria, I always say, blessed child, welcome to this beautiful country. It's not just that child I'm praying for. And prophesying over this land. You take some assignments for the Lord, He puts some kind of discipline upon your body. Prayer, you want to change a country with prayer, it's not that you've learned the right words to pray. There are times everybody says, Run. You have to go and pray, Lord. Is it running time? The Lord says, It's not running time. He said, There looks like a trouble everywhere. He said, Stay there. I shouldn't run. He said, No, it's not time to run. All I do, you'll be praying there so that peace will come. If you run, there will be no occasion for peace again. I need, now listen to what I want to say. I need an excuse each time to do something. That's what God is saying. Give me an excuse to bless your land. Give me an excuse to do something extraordinary for you. Give me an excuse. The excuse is people. So, but all the noise and say, don't worry, it will die down. Just relax. I will pour water upon the land because you sowed your seed inside there. That's what Christianity is about. That's why we are soldiers of Christ. Life is not always easy. God didn't promise easy life for everybody. No. He told uh, Timothy, endure what? Hardship. Endure hardship. Some people are going to live comfortable jobs. They go and start a business just because they need to be able to employ 15 people. By the time you net it, they were making more money in that job they were doing before. Yeah, because now yeah, they have great turnover, quite all right, but they have to, the business has to grow. They have to pay salaries. I don't think they want to get, give themselves 
uh, a small salary and then dividends at the end of the year. He's not making as much as he used to make, but he takes pride in the fact that not only has he created, uh, created a job for 15 people, he has created a culture for his family. He has created a culture for people around. Those are the things Christians check. Christianity is not a joke. Let's bow our heads to pray. Today, I'm just starting that series. We'll continue it next time, talking about the prayer warrior. Let's say to the Lord, here I am, send me. That's what we want to talk about. The fact that each person has to make up his mind to serve him in that area. So each person, just like Isaiah, say, Lord, here I am, send me. I have come, use me, recruit me, enlist me. Recruit me, enlist me, use me. Lord, here I am. I yield myself as a change agent, as a prayer warrior, as one that will stand and build up a wall and stand in the gap between you and this nation, between you and these people. Yes, stand on behalf of the church, calling forth an outpouring of the Spirit, a revival of the Word. I yield myself. Father, we give you thanks. Let us give thanks again in our own words. Say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for what you have taught me and what you are teaching me. Thank you for the work that you have called me to. Let's give him thanks for it.